0: hello 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 and welcome this is talk the plank episode 79 of pittsburgh pirates podcast on sb nation's bucks dugout i'm nathan hirsch and i'm with jake slobodnik recording on a wednesday night jake how's it going
1: not gonna be or not a lot it's been pretty good so far um lots of things have happened in the past couple of weeks my family and i moved to a different location which will Remain under wraps. Uh, Pirates looking a little bit better Uh, overall. uh, Well, we're also treading into football season two, which I'm a big fan of. Um, And, you know, pretty much just everything's going pretty good. How's things on your end?
0: Pretty good as well. Um, Yeah, the Pirates. Pirates with a uh, four-game sweep at the Cincinnati Reds. Um first four game win streak in quite a while. And it was it was just an all-around really nice series to watch for the Pirates. Um they won 6 to 3, 6 to 3, 1 nothing and 10 to 4 today. Um you know with the season winding down and pretty much all of these games being you know, more or less meaningless in terms of trying to win. The Pirates are fifty-five and eighty-eight as we speak. What you really want to see out of games like these are just players starting to improve, and you know, young players specifically for the Pirates' sake, because they have a lot of young guys. Uh, it's been it's been nice to see as of late some of the young guys take steps forward, and I think that starts with. O'Neill Cruz, who has just been he's been on a tear lately. And there was a lot of buzz when he first came up, obviously. A lot of fans wanted to hit him up earlier, as did I, but there was a period there where he really, he really struggled. And I'm not gonna say I ever doubted him. You know, it, it takes a while to get acclimated to Major League Baseball, but now that we're at the point where Cruz is starting to really produce. You know, so far in September, eleven games played, he's he's hitting three twenty six, three fifty four, six fifty two, slugging, and uh, he's he's really turned it around lately. Also, I want to throw out as well, batting first this season in the batting order, uh, Cruz is hitting two seventy five, three ten, five eighty eight, and that's over eighty four plate appearances, nineteen games, so not not the smallest of small sample sizes. It's been really nice to see. I, I've uh, I've really been impressed with Cruz lately, and I feel like just watching him play, that's like the main reason to watch these games. And he's uh, it, getting me excited for next season. I mean, he's got 15 home runs on the year, hit another home run today. And you look at, say, a 600 plate appearance pace, and Cruz is... He's he's uh he's on a pace for more than thirty home runs. So, Cruz has been awesome. Um, obviously other players have been awesome too, but I just wanted to start with Cruz.
1: Yeah, I've been really impressed with how he's really come around since being called up. Um, <clears throat> at first, it was a little alarming because obviously his strikeout rate, which a lot of people uh, quoted. <clears throat> oh boy, excuse me. Um. His strikeout rate was pretty high. He looked pretty undisciplined at the plate. Overall, he just, he kind of went up there and it looked like he wanted to swing for the fence on everything. He was more or less trying to crush every baseball known in sight. And, you know, while while we love having that type of attitude, he also needed to work on sort of becoming more disciplined at the plate and, you know, laying off some more pitches, which he still struggles with. I noticed it today in the finale at Cincinnati. He keeps swinging at those biting sliders that hit the outside part um and obviously comes up empty but i think when you look at the numbers his strikeout rate has decreased tremendously over the past couple of weeks and really i credit that all to just getting more at bats the major league level because that's pretty much the only way that you can really evolve your game especially at that grand stage is more and more times you're up at the plate you're seeing more major league pitching and you know you're seeing pitchers that have pit that have um have a you know equipment in their pitch arsenal that can really buckle a hitter, so getting that sort of practice with who he's seen lately and I know today he went against Nick Lodolo who's been who's had kind of a weird career, but Lodolo still got biting stuff, and that his slider proved it today it got Cruz to strike out and he looked he flopped at it um, but i've seen gradual improvement and for a season that's lost and a team that has no hope at all and is already eliminated from the playoffs, like you said, that's all you really want to see out of your players, and I'm glad to see that Cruz is developing. I think, obviously, he'll need a little bit more time, but if he can really fine-tune and, and fine tune his defense, first of all, because he's made some pretty errant throws, and he's had a little bit of trouble sometimes corralling the ball. If he can work on his defense a little bit, maybe work in the off season with some private hitting instructors and learn how to expand accounts a little bit and, you know, sort of just become more patient at the plate instead of being that guy that wants to send every ball over the fence. He'll be fine. He's got the power already. It's natural power. I mean, he doesn't have to crush everything. We saw it. Well, how many times a season he makes a little contact and that ball just sails, And it looks like it's going to be a routine pop out. And then it just clears the fence. And I I think this is also a stat that we need to bring up. Uh, I want to credit Kevin Gon Poston, one of the all time goats on Pirates Twitter, for tweeting this out. O'Neill Cruz's 15th home run hit today is the most in a single season by a Pirates shortstop that played at least 60% of games at that position. And the last one was our boy, Jordy Mercer, who hit 14 back in 2017. So O'Neill Cruz. And I think just a little over 270 at-bats is already making records with the Pirates. And I think that's pretty impressive, especially how far he's come, how he struggled before, and now he's improving. It's good to see this. And like you said, in a full season, he's going to be scary.
0: Yeah, exactly. And kind of like what you noted, it hasn't been perfect. And the the improvements have come, um, you know, bit by bit. And you you just love to see that. And even if he's a 220 career hitter, he's still a valuable asset to any team. He's going to hit 30 to 40 home runs. Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 40 home runs next season. He's just, he has that power where, like you said, he he has a way about him where he's had some pretty funky swings and it just ends up in laser show home runs. So the power is just monstrous. I do agree that, yeah, against left-handed pitching, he still does struggle quite a bit, specifically against that slider low and away. But even in that regard, there's been improvements too. And obviously the, the strikeout rate, well above 30%. Uh, the walk rate is slowly but surely. It's It's not quite where you want it to be. I think with someone like him, you'd like the walk rate to be at least 10% in that 10 to 15 percent range on the season it's about six and a half percent but you know first first big league action um first season he he's he's the Pirates best player I mean you could argue that he's the Pirates best player already talent wise I think um is is definitely you know he's up there. Brian Reynolds, I would say, or even Brian Hayes, who has struggled with the bat, but you know with the with the glove, it, it makes up and makes him extremely valuable. But you know, Cruz is already one of the best players on this team, and he's going to continue to get better. He's going to continue to grow, and just seeing him figure it out this season to the extent that he has, uh, I think is really, I think is really encouraging. And moving into next season. Um, which, like I mentioned, that's it's all about you know planning for next season and hopefully improving. Um, I, I feel really comfortable just sticking to him at shortstop, let him bat, lead off, and go from there, see what he does over a full season of Major League Baseball. He has been solid, and um, I think too, this is a decent segue. He's, he's been pretty comfortable since. His buddy, Rodolfo Castro, has gotten called up to the big leagues. And Castro's another guy, you know, we've kind of talked about it all season long, which which of these, you know, fringe-ish type prospects are going to emerge and become dependable major league starters. Rodolfo Castro has really opened some eyes over the past month or so, I would say. Uh, You look at it, he hit a home run today as well. That power from the right side is... It's um, it's legit. And you look at his numbers; he's hitting two thirty eight, three hundred one on base. The slugging's at four forty four. He's got nine home runs in just under two hundred um, at bats. So he's another guy who's got definitely twenty home run power. And you talk about building a baseball team up the middle. I mean, you look at the the future here. The Pirates they do have. Um, They have a plethora of middle infield prospects. Nick Gonzalez has been heating up since returning from his injury in double-A. Uh, obviously, Paguero has been solid this season in double-A. Um, Rodolfo Castro, I think at this point, you look at it, you pencil him in at second base opening day 2023, and I, I like that middle infield with Cruz and Castro. And then obviously uh, back to my building a team through the middle point, you have Reynolds in center field. And I mean, the catching prospects for the pirates have really taken a, uh, a step up this season. You look at Henry Davis, obviously the number one overall pick he's had some injuries, but he's still hitting some home runs. Andy Rodriguez might be the best prospect in this system. primarily primarily a catcher. So future wise building up the middle, they have some solid uh solid pieces, and that's exciting yeah jake what do you what do you think about Castro lately and just kind of you know the middle middle of the field type pirates recently?
1: you know, I think he's looked a lot more comfortable at the plate, and like Cruz, he's been adjusting his swing a little bit more, I think more so than cruz um trying just, well just watching tape of him, he's not trying to crush baseballs like he used to last year and earlier this year. I think he's trying to find that. Nice, medium balance between contact and power, and it's paying off for him. Obviously, when there's, a, when there's a poorly executed pitch, he takes it yard. We saw that today when he batted from the right side against Lodolo. He sent one over the fence. Lodolo put that right down the pipe and, rightfully so, cranked right. it out of there. So, overall, I think he's looking a lot better. I think he's starting to see pitches a little bit better. He is becoming more selective with what he swings at, and I think he's you know finding that balance, like I said before. And um defensively, he's always been good for me. I've always liked seeing what he did with the glove. And uh I, I think that he could really compliment Cruz well at second base. And that would give the Pirates something I don't think we've really ever seen. And that's a shortstop, or I guess I should say a middle infield combo that can hit for power because these guys are they're strong. And Twitter, it was it was ironic. Today, Twitter was talking about. Uh, multiple people were tweeting this out that Cruz and Castro <coughs> could combine for 40 home runs because like you said, they have 20 plus home run power. I could argue that Cruz might have 40 plus power in of itself and where they could combine 60, but either of that's possible. Does. Uh, and the thing is Castro and Cruz, they gelled well whenever they played an Altoona together. I remember watching them both in person and on live stream. How just how, you know, much, not just, from a baseball player standpoint, but from a person standpoint, they all, they, 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 you know, they both complement each other. Well, they like to joke around a lot. They just seem like two peas in a pod. If that, if I'm going to make it a blank comparison there, um, I think he's got promise to be a good second baseman. I think once he develops that consistency factor, we're going to see him a lot more with Cruz at shortstop.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I totally agree with the power statement. Heck they can, they could each be 30 home run type hitters. Uh, I think Castro is more of maybe like a 20 to 30 home run guy. Cruz, a 30 to 40 home run guy, maybe even more honestly, but yeah, at, at second and shortstop, that is rare. And you just, you just hope that the pirates can fill in the rest of the team because, you know, I mentioned Reynolds in center field. That's nice. We'll see. You know, I, I still hold out hope that maybe they can extend him at some point, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. You can't really bank on anything like that happening. But him in center field, Hayes at third base. Hayes, you know, you want him to figure out the bat, and it's been it's been a struggle for him this season. But whenever you feel the way that he feels, you set a pretty high floor for yourself as in terms of being, you know, a productive major league player and, you know, providing value to your team. So that's four positions right there. Castro really has opened my eyes if they could just get an actual first baseman and perhaps you bring in, you know, a a veteran catcher of sorts this off season, kind of like Roberto Perez, like they attempted to do until Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez are ready to come up to the big leagues. Offensively, this team is, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see some things work out and you know they they have a plethora of middle infield prospects. Um even Jihan Bay who has not gotten a chance this season, he's another guy who has been tearing it up in Triple A this season. I mentioned uh Davis, I mean sorry, uh Nick Gonzalez and uh Paguero there might be some room to, I mean, you you don't want to, you don't want to give away depth, but there might be some room to perhaps make a trade with one of these higher end prospects. If they wanted to buy at some point, which obviously the team is awful right now. And buying seems like it's forever away. But if they ever get to that point, Castro seems like he could be the guy that maybe he takes that, takes that job. And Maybe he takes it for the next five, six years, and it's him and Cruz. And, you know, we never really expected him to be that guy. But if he's going to hit the way that he's hit since getting called up again, basically, um, you, you know, you, you really like what you're going to see. And I, I'm impressed, too, with Castro's ability to to walk a little bit. At the major league level this season, he's walking 7.5 percent of the time when he was in triple a that was up to 10.2 so if he could be a guy that walks eight to ten percent of the time gets on base he that really hasn't been a part of his game uh throughout throughout the minor leagues but he has improved in 2021 in triple a he walked eight percent of the time uh you know in 2019 six percent of the time so if he could be Someone that gets on base has some power once again, you hit two thirty i don 't care get on base hit for power you 're a productive hitter, and with him and cruz i uh I really like what that what that's going to look like in the future.
1: yeah, me too um, you go talk about g one Bay well first before we talk about him, I do want to shout out another prospect or i guess player that's been really impressing me since he come, came back up. That's Cal Mitchell. Dude's been hitting over 400. He's been finding gaps. He's been, he's looked a lot better and more comfortable at the plate. So I think he's just finally, and you know, props to him for calling out Ben Charrington and his process of, you know, optioning and dealing with the team's depth because I, you know, he's like, I don't know how to deal with it, but you just gotta, this is paraphrasing obviously, but that's neither here nor there. But He's been really impressed me since coming back up. Maybe he could be that fringe guy that provides a solid bench bat or a bench option going forward. I don't think he's the be-all end-all corner outfielder, but you know, he could provide some service. Uh, but yeah, g one day, man, I don't understand what exactly the plan is for him because he's been doing really well at the uh at the triple A level. You would have thought he would have been one of the first people that was promoted. After after the September first deadline, and I know you gotta field a team in Triple A, but man, I, I thought I, I was for certain that we would see G1 Bay in the MLB at that point in time. But it just seems like, you know, the Indianapolis Indians keep tweeting out videos of everything he does, and the Pirates just sort of turn a blind eye. I don't I don't know maybe if you know or have an idea of why they do this, but I'm stumped as to why they are just pretty much mistreating one of their best infielding prospects right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the the players on the team right now, it seems like obviously Castro has the I think the um emergence has of Castro has taken away at bats from other guys. Uh Kevin Newman is he's going to be on the team for the Pirates whether it's as a bench guy or what. Moving forward, just as an aside, I think Kevin Newman as a bench guy is—I mean, you could do a lot worse than that—and I like him in that role. Chavis is still up here. Uh, it seems basically though like they made the decision that they're going to call up Diego Castillo and bring him back to the majors instead of giving Bay a chance. Um, I don't—I don't know wh- why. Maybe, maybe it's perhaps you know he hasn't started his clock yet. So why start it now when you could start it next season in terms of service time, maybe, maybe the unknown of him being a major league, uh, player makes him more valuable perhaps in, in any potential trades this off season, you know, sometimes in any sport, we kind of value what they could be rather than seeing what they, what they have, done already uh who knows if Bay comes up and he struggles he loses value maybe that's a reason why I think honestly you know maybe we still see him get called up at some point but to this point I think it's just a matter of you know we we already brought uh Castillo up he's used up one of his options um I think it's I think it's a service time thing to be honest that's my guess and, and I, I do also think it's the value thing as well. You know, he hasn't been to the major leagues, so his value might be higher than, than if he had already been promoted. And also, I mean, there is the, there's whole, there's all the off the field stuff that I don't really want to get into, but Bay kind of has a questionable past. I don't know if that has anything to do with team decision, Making, but that—that's like a whole other can of worms, and um, you know, I—I just, I just think it's a whole lot of things.
1: Yeah, and I'm—I'm I'm sure it's one of the two in terms of service time or, I guess, his value. I was sort of leaning towards the off-field issues, but I'm going to try to take a proactive approach here and say that it's more or less as a baseball player, they're trying to preserve him. Cause like you said, maybe they are trying to strike up a deal this off season and they need that one really good piece of bait. And that bait is G1 Bay. Uh, and who knows, maybe we could be saving him for next year and we're going to say bye-bye to Hoy Park or Diego Castillo. Um, I, I don't know. I would imagine we'd say bye to Hoy Park before anything, but, um, I think there's more of a probability of us dealing him because if we're really trying to contend next year, and if this was supposed to be a year of improvement and we didn't see that, I think Charrington is going to try to save some face and maybe be a, be a little bit of a buyer towards the winter meetings. And G1 Bay could be probably maybe not a headliner, but you know, you send away one good prospect that could maybe get one other GM to overpay. I, I don't, I don't know because I've never really sat and thought what G1 Bay could possibly get us. And especially with all the infield depth that we have, maybe it is possible that he goes for, you know, a trade piece, but I I don't know. I I would not put it past Charrington to use it for service time manipulation because he's, he's he's shown us that all season long with everybody else, but that's a good point. Maybe we will see G1 Bay on the move. Uh, I hope not because i've really liked what i 've seen from him all throughout the system, but I mean sometimes you gotta you gotta you know you i 'm trying to think of the right phrasing for this you gotta trade away some good depth in order to get some good pieces for the you know for the now for the present, so
0: who knows right and and like I said, I do think the emergence of Castro has really kind of put up an extra layer of you know, not getting an opportunity for Bay. You look at him though. He is only 23 years old. He just turned 23. This is technically his age 22 season. And yeah, the AAA numbers are absolutely legit. 295, 365 on base and slugging 438, which, you know, he, he has less than 10 home runs, but he he gets on base and he's fast as he's really fast. He's fast as heck. 20 doubles, 6 triples. So, he's been really nice in AAA. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get a chance this year. I mean, just out of pure um you know, just wanting to see players, I'd like to see him get a chance just to see what he's got at the major league level, but yeah, I guess I guess we'll see what happens with him. Um I was wondering, I we we talk about it, you know, the improving of of this team from one year to the next. And on the last pod, I, I remember I said they had 50 wins at that point. Uh, I think they were something like 50 and maybe 80, something like that. And I wondered if they would get out of the season winning more than 57 games. And to their credit, you know, they haven't really done a lot of winning up until this red series where they got the four game sweep against basically the AAA Reds but you'll take wins where you can get them. The Pirates are 55 and 88 and I was wondering what what they were through 143 games last season. They're 52 and 91. So, not a huge improvement, but at least we're back to the point where there's there's maybe a chance they don't lose 100 games. They probably still will lose 100 games, but at this point they have to go what? They can't they they have to go nine and maybe eight and eleven I believe because there's 19 games left so maybe they avoid that last year obviously they went 61 and 101 over these final few weeks Jake I guess my question to you is what do you want to see um, what what why are you t- tuning into these games basically
1: I mean it's pretty much for the prospects at this point and the young guys that are getting some time I, well. Let's start with the obvious, O'Neal Cruz. I think anybody's going to tune into a game just to watch him and him alone. Um, right. I am excited to see more of Rodolfo Castro. We just talked about how good he is and has been. I want to see if he can keep this hot streak up and keep it into the end of the season. Because if he does, then I think that kind of shows where his consistency is at and how much he's really improved. Um, Pitching-wise, the, per- the only people I would be remotely interested in watching to pitch, Rowancie, obviously. Mitch Keller, because he has been lights out the second half. And if they somehow do bring him back up, I don't know if they will. Luis Ortiz, the guy looked impressive in five and two thirds innings, topping out at a hundred miles an hour, I think five or six times. Um, Overall just dominated the Reds lineup. Um, (coughs) And I mean, he, he looked like he fit in well with the major league system. Sometimes you see those guys come up and they're a little shaky to start. He looked like he was ready to go. It was actually, he looked a lot better than he has in the minor leagues this year. And if we can bring him back up and get him a few more starts, I think he'd be an excellent and underrated piece moving forward. So yeah, like, like I said, I'm just tuning in to watch the young guys. I'm not tuning in to watch guys like Greg Allen or Kevin Newman or, Either of the catchers, I'm not really tuning in to watch any of them. It's just the guys that have, I guess, the most promise going forward is what I'm watching for now.
0: Or Zach Collins. Oh my god! <laughs> Why? We... Although he's, I guess maybe maybe he's a little more intriguing. Um, maybe... Why did we get him? <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I guess it's just. More dumpster diving, more waiver claims, more whatever. Maybe you find another Yoshi. I will say at least there's no no Yoshis on this team this year where it's like, ooh, who is this intriguing waiver claim that gets hot for a few weeks? At least the players getting hot right now are perhaps players that might be with this team long-term, and they're young guys that are getting hot to where you see real – progress and not just some someone on their last chance getting high. And you're like, Oh, maybe Yoshi next year, you can hit 20 home. Like I'm glad we're not really getting any of that back to Luis Ortiz though. He was awesome. Um, Like you mentioned five and two thirds, five strikeouts, three walks. Although I will say he got robbed of his very first strikeout in that game. Um, I don't think anyone really cares about this, but I saw it. It was, it was the first batter of the game. The hitter bunted with two strikes and hit a pop fly foul ball, Dropped the ball. It's a strikeout. I guess it wasn't a strikeout because the ball was caught by, I believe Heineman, the catcher at the time. And I think he, I think he deserved that strikeout, but that's, that's an aside. Uh, he looked solid. Like you mentioned hundred miles an hour with the fastball. Um, and he was hitting a hundred well into the fifth, Fifth inning, honestly, maybe in the sixth inning. I'm not sure. But he he maintained that high velocity. His slider was it was nasty in the high eighties. And just watching him, you know, maybe maybe it was because they're playing the Reds, maybe it was the backdrop, maybe it's their first names, but I I saw a little Luis Castillo and Luis Ortiz with his start yesterday. You know, similar Two-seam action on the fastball. I know Ortiz, I don't know if Castillo's ever hit 100 before, but Ortiz was hitting 100 with regularity. But same same kind of arm action, same slider playing off the fastball. The only huge difference is that Luis Castillo has one of the best change-ups in baseball, and that's a pitch that Ortiz really has to develop, I'd say, if he wants to be uh, you know, a really nice starter in Major League Baseball. But... That's the vibe I got. And yeah, the stuff was, it was really exciting to watch. And, you know, looking at next season, there's a whole lot of spots um, in terms of starting pitching. Maybe not a whole lot of spots. Actually, you look at it, there's probably only two spots because you got Mitch Keller and Ronzi Contreras, who they, they are locks to be in the uh, rotation next season. And then probably JT Brubaker as well. But, you know, guys like, Luis Ortiz, maybe maybe, maybe he opened some eyes and he could be someone that could be in the rotation next season <laughs> over someone, say, like Bryce Wilson or Zach Thompson or whatever. Yohan uh, Oviedo has also been getting some chances, too. I don't know uh, if you have any thoughts on him. He's been pretty wild at times. I personally think that I don't think I want to see him as a starter. I think he'd be much well... Um, you know, more suited as a back of the bullpen type guy, maybe you you know you pair him with Will Crow in the later innings before David Bednar shuts the door. That's what I see, but I don't know if you have any initial thoughts on Oviedo.
1: I do. Um, I just want to put some final thoughts on Ortiz first. I think, right? You, you talked about how he managed that high velocity towards you know the end of his game last night. And I think he was trying to maybe overcompensate a little too much. Maybe he got felt a little too settled in and, you know, thought he could mow down hitters continually, but instead he sort of, I guess he's, he became wild, like you said. And I think it was just something more where he was just trying to put too much on his, on his pitches instead of, you know, going with what works and uh, trying to find the zones that he needs to hit, uh, which will you know, that'll adapt over time. As he gets more reps, as he gets more, you know, more training, he'll, Suit in better to that. So uh, that's my final thought. He struggled toward the end, but I think that's fine. Uh, Oviedo, I kind of agree with you. I think we should maybe put him as more of like a bullpen piece. I don't know if I want to put him as uh, like you say, a guy that compliments Crow and Bednar, or if I want to keep him as more of like a long relief option, because I mean, he can go a couple of innings and if we don't improve the offense, we all know that we're going to need to go a couple innings with some relievers. And if he's more suited to cover those long innings instead of guys like Chase DeYoung, Manny Bonuelos, who, going back to your Yoshi comment, I feel like he's the Yoshi this year, is Manny Bonuelos, because he's been excelling. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, 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 The thing I like about Oviedo is I think he's he, he can be suited – both as a reliever and a starter. So we can we can get creative with what we do with him. We don't have to, you know, there's no concrete evidence that he's one over the other. We can sort of mix and match, which that could be detrimental to a guy's career, but at the same time, if we're trying to find his niche, then that's that's what we want to do is try to get creative. And I think that's what they're doing now towards the tail end of the season, is going, hmm, can Oviedo be a starter or should maybe we develop him into a more reliable reliever, which I agree with. I think if we're going to play around with anybody, it's right now. Um, But I think he's got that reliever capabilities to where he could give us a couple of innings or consistent outings here and there. If we absolutely need him to say, if we catch, you know, we get on a hot streak. So, um, and I'll say it now at first, I was not for this whole Quintana trade and I'm still in a way not, but seeing how Oviedo bounced back after his rough outing, uh, not this past time, but the time before, and How Malcolm Nunez is crushing in Double A. I know side note, but I'm liking it a little bit more and more. I hope Oviedo develops into a solid, uh, serviceable pitcher, and I think he's got that. Uh, he's got that potential. He, he showed a lot when he was in his last outing. Granted, against the Reds, but still uh, potential nonetheless.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's shown some flashes. Obviously, the walks are a problem. Um, continuing on the pitching side here a little bit, I do want to talk about Mitch Keller just just a second here. Uh, you look at him, 401 ERA on the season, and I think it's like three-something since May. He's really been good. 137 innings on the season. Maybe he finishes the year let's say he gets four more starts he could he can get around 160 perhaps um Mitch Keller's a guy where they don't have to think about this yet but as far as extension candidates go Mitch Keller's at the top of the list for me um because you you look about you look you look at the future of this team and and like like I said I think we're at the point now where you're just kind of you're trying to look at guys that'll be on this next winning team and kind of slot them in in places and when I look at Mitch Keller I think he could be a solid number 3 starter on on a really good major league team and in thinking about it in the future, uh, you hope Rowanzi Contreras could maybe be a one or a two, at least a two. Maybe he's a high-end three as well. But Keller's a guy, service-wise, he he's just at over two years. Um, I'm looking at it here. I'm trying to see when he he's a free agent. Um, it's still gonna be a while, basically. But as far as someone to lock up for maybe like a six-year deal, and you're buying out a few free agent years, that's something that I could definitely get behind. And he he's really shown he's really shown to be solid this year. And between him and Contreras, and even to a slightly lesser extent, JT Brubaker, I felt I feel a little better about you know the future of the pitching staff moving forward because. You still have Quinn Priester on the way at some point. And, um, definitely, I mean, I'm obviously forgetting other pitching prospects, but, uh, Mike Burroughs, you got him on the way at some point. So there, there's, there's more coming, but I think it's nice that the pirates have solidified two, maybe three spots in their starting rotation for at least the next few seasons. And, uh, Team-building-wise, I, th- I think that's really encouraging because starting pitching is key, and if you can pile up five guys that are really good that give you a chance every game, no matter how the offense looks, I think that's, that's the first step in building a playoff team.
1: Yeah, and looking at Keller, I, I, I want to agree with you and say extend him because he's shown improvement. (laughs) He's shown that he can be better, but it's that whole track record beforehand that kind of scares me off in really extending him. Um, But I do think that he's worth it at some point, if he continues to do what he does. And I mean, he's got a big matchup against the Mets here. uh, I think in two days, actually on Saturday or, well, I guess when we put it out, it'll be set. It'll be two days till Saturday, but um, Friday. Okay. So I was right. Two days. Um, if he can at least hold the Mets hitters in check, then I'll consider maybe extending him,
0: but if he gets, if he gets tatered, what (laughs) I'm just laughing. So it all depends on one start here. No, no, no. It doesn't depend on
1: one start, but this is a, you know, a good contending team that we, that he's got coming up. He's faced. Yeah, it could definitely open some eyes. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, one start's not going to tell whether he's going to be valuable in the future or not, but I think if he can show signs of improvement against the contender, then he's going to be fine for us down the road as long as he builds off what he's doing now. Um, <coughs> and I think if he can put up some more consistent starts, especially at the beginning of next season... See, that's my point, is if he can bring what he has now into the start of next season, then I might consider extending him a little bit more than I do now. But considering he struggled at the beginning of part of this year and only found success in the second half. I don't know if extension talks are there yet. He's been really good. And like you said, he's not a free agent for a while. So we have time to evaluate him, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't open that can just yet for brew Baker. You talk about options for next year. See, I feel more comfortable with him as a long relief piece in the bullpen. Just him starting. He may be fine, but man, every time I see him on the mound, I just get nervous. And I don't know if that's just because his struggles at the beginning of this year and the end of last year or if that's just because I, I i don't know if it's like I think that his stuff doesn't work. I can't pinpoint exactly what my hesitation is, but watching JT Brubaker, I get really nervous when he pitches and I think if he can be a long reliever, I feel like he'll be more relaxed and more calm. Uh, but as long as we have guys like Bryce Wilson on the team, he's going to be in the starting rotation <laughs> no matter what.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's that's a fair assessment on Keller. Uh seeing if he could back it up at least, you know, starting next season and kind of carry it over to next season, that will be key. That'll be key. Uh as far as BruBaker goes, it is it's really strange to look like looking at the Fangraphs page right now, BruBaker and Keller, um they're they're one inning apart on innings pitched this season. Uh BruBaker's at 138 and a third, Keller's at 137 total. They both have 2.0 F wars. Um, you know, the ERAs are similar. Keller's at 4.01 Brubaker's at 4.36. The FIPS are similar. Keller's at 3.87 Brubaker's at 3.90 uh, Brubaker has a slightly better X FIP brew bakers actually struck out more hitters this season than uh Keller, but Keller's gotten more ground ball. So, they they've definitely even their home run to fly ball ratios are within a percent and a half. So that's, that's, that's kind of funny. Uh, they've, they've basically been the same guy this season under the hood, but I know what you mean. Keller's definitely the more, you know, blue chip type guy over Brubaker, but next season, they both have to be in the rotation. I would say for sure. And I, I, Maybe long-term, maybe when the Pirates uh, decide they want to be good or if some of these young players pan out and Ben Sherrington looks like he's a genius in two years after everyone pans out, perhaps, yeah, Brubaker could be a long-relief type guy. Um, for now, though, I, I like him as a starter. And as far as, as far as the pitching this season, I just think at its core, it's nice that the Pirates have three guys that you can look at and pencil them in for the next at least season and expect to get i mean 2 to 3 wins from the starting pitch, pitching position that's not ace but that's that's mid rotation guys so if you have 3 of those that's a, that's a good start and the bullpen i mean we'll see what happens it seems like the pirates are still in there uh see what works out phase but hopefully some of these guys work out. All right, you mentioned the Mets series. Let's go over that a little bit real quick. It's going to be a brutal six games coming up for the Pirates. In terms of the schedule, we'll really get to see some of these young guys, you know, either take more steps forward and be good or perhaps they they take a step back here because of the competition, but it's four games at the Mets Thursday through Sunday. Uh, we got Brubaker Thursday against Carlos Carrasco. And then on Friday, we have Mitch Keller against Taiwan Walker, who the Pirates lit up uh, just last week. So we'll see if the Pirates can do that again. Uh, we, got, we got Wilson listed for Saturday. He will be opposing Chris Bassett. That will not be... A favorable matchup for the Pirates. And on Sunday, it's Oviedo, and the Pirates get to face off against DeGrom. I will say, though, the the first time the Pirates played DeGrom, you know, they didn't didn't do anything at all. They didn't get Uh, no hit. (laughs) But they didn't get no hit. And in that first inning, they actually had two hits. Uh, They only had four hits on the game in total. And Degrom pitched seven scoreless, basically sleepwalking his way to eight strikeouts and an easy win. But the Pirates didn't get no hit, so that that is a that's a win in my opinion, honestly. Uh, so they have that four game series with the Mets, and then after that, they have a quick two game series against the Yankees, and we will get Rowanzi Contreras against Nelson Court. Cortez, or sorry, Nestor Cortez, who has been awesome this season for the Yankees, the mustached man, the crafty lefty. And uh, Wednesday, we get Brubaker again, and he will oppose Luis Severino, who has also been solid. And I'm pretty sure he pitched against the Pirates earlier this season. So six games in the Big Apple. How many did the Pirates win? I'm going to say... Two <laughs> and they're both wow. That I would set the line. I would set the line at man, I'll say one and a half, but I'll say over one and a half is like okay, plus 130 odds. That's my oh, guess. Goodness. Yeah, I mean, I, that's just I'm just Holy spitballing God. odds here <laughs> at the uh, the Hirsch Casino. But, yeah, it's going to be a tough six games. If the Pirates are able to win one of those, I'll be happy. If they win zero of those games, wouldn't be surprised at all. But um, schedule-wise, it does get easier after that. Um, The Pirates could really make up some wins here. After their New York trip, they have a seven-game homestand, and that'll be four against the Cubs, three against Cincinnati, who they just kicked the crap out of. And then... Weird way to end the season. The Pirates have six straight games against St. Louis, including a three-game set to end the season. I wrote an article about this in spring training, and there's a very good chance that it comes to, f- to fruition. Albert Pools has a good chance to hit his seventh home run at PNC Park. I could see it right now. It'll land, you know – right before the rotunda in left field it'll wrap around the foul ball pool and some lucky fan will have a ball that's worth a lot of money and they'll probably just trade it for a signed bat and maybe a jersey but uh, that'll be crazy to see and if it happens in Pittsburgh I mean I'd love to see it I believe Pujols is at 6.96 right now and he's been hitting home runs like crazy it seems a little suspicious to be honest I'm not gonna lie to you sounds like There could be some juicing of the balls. I am not a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, it's kind of what it seems like a little bit. But I do think if Pujols gets 700, there's a good chance it comes against the Pirates. Actually, there's a very good chance it comes against the Pirates. It might happen in St. Louis before, you know, they even travel to Pittsburgh. But in those final six games, I think you can all guarantee Albert Pujols will be hitting his 700th home run.
1: I hope that's not the case. I hope he hits it beforehand because you already know the memes that are going to be made out of it. People are going to treat it like a joke because it's against the fires. But <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you're right. I think it's actually going to happen. Um, I, I feel like it's going to happen more in St. Louis because if, your suspicions are accurate, and I believe they are, and they're juicing the balls, and they're trying to fixate it so Albert does get to 700. They're going to fix it so he does it at his own home field in front of the crowd that saw him as a rookie with Yachty and Ueno. Like They're not going to wait until he's in Pittsburgh to do that. They're going to wait until he's at Busch Stadium. And I can't wait for Zach Hample to catch that 700th ball and not surrender it. I cannot wait. Uh, uh. Like, i cool. know dude i i'm i my friend texted me about him saying if if zach Campbell catches Pujols' 700th I, I don't know what i'm gonna do i'm probably gonna lose faith in the game of baseball and i'm like dude i'm right there with you it's pretty sad because he's just a normal dude but he's not normal he he literally goes out shoves kids for baseballs i don't think he's ever done it in a pirates game though so yeah. i'm i'm intrigued i'm intrigued
0: yeah, I don't know. And let me ask you this before we wrap up, last question that I want to ask you. The Pujol's is on six ninety nine going into that final week, final series against the Pirates at PNC Park. Are you going to any of those games? Um I would like to,
1: but I don't think that's gonna happen with my work schedule. But I would absolutely love to.
0: As far as like investments go, I think I don't think it would be a terrible idea to buy a left field seat at PNC Park for that. It's only ten bucks. If you could get it now for ten bucks, I bet you could sell it for fifty bucks if Pujols is stuck on six ninety nine going into PNC Park. Um, but yeah, that's that. All right, Jake. Where can we find right. you on Twitter before we uh, peace out here? You can Find me at Twitter at
1: underscore Radio Jake,
0: and then you can find me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch, and of course. Follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks Dugout. Jake, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, sir. That's all for me. Alrighty. Everyone have a great rest of your day. Go pirates. Let's avoid losing a hundred games and we'll see what happens. Uh peace out.